0: Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds, to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us.
1: Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, executive pastor, and joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. We continue our Believe series this past week. You know, I looked back and we launched the Believe series, which is an exegetical study, exegetical, through the book of John. I had a procedure once. <laughs> well, that was that was the a whole proct- other thing. Proctologist, when he exegeted. <laughs> we started in August of 22. And we are through, through chapter 12 because you launched chapter 13 this week here in the month of May. And I think we are going to finish out the book of John by the end of the summer.
0: That's fairly optimistic. By the end of July. So I think even based on that map that I sent over to this morning, you still think that we're going to make it through in July? I think sometime in August we could potentially launch into a new sermon series.
1: I feel like that's super optimistic. Yeah, well, I'm I'm this is actually something I'm working
0: on. Optimism <laughs> <laughs> or delusion.
1: <laughs> they both lead me out of my pessimism, pessimism yeah. so I'll take it. Um and so you started chapter 13 this week and um first off, I mean you started with a story about your feet. So I'm I kind of want an update. Like can we get a medical update on how your feet are doing? Um, you've, over the past few years, you've, you've, you've gone through some different therapies, some different shoes, and there's a contingency of those listening, or at least among us here in our conduit community that have struggled with the plantar fasciitis.
0: It seems to be an epidemic. I didn't even, so here's what I don't know. Was it going on? All around us, and just something only old people talked about. This is a
1: really good question. I'm going to say probably yes. Then we've entered into an a realm or an age range where we've discovered that this is a thing that was already
0: existing. But nobody sends you memos like a heads up. Yeah. Hey, just FYI. Yeah. There's coming a moment in your late 40s where you're going to get out of bed, and your feet don't work. Feet are going to be very angry about it. Nobody told me that. I had no idea. So I limped around for a, I don't know, long... I have this theory, you know, sometimes you walk it off. So eventually, you know, sometimes sometimes your car fixes itself all the time. 100%. So my body will do that randomly. Unfortunately, this wasn't fixing itself. And so I had, yeah, hokas and... Now, I'm... um, Once I started wearing those shoes... That, for the most part, took care of it. Like, I haven't had the early morning. Because it's like, uh, the, so what happens is, is, like, when you're asleep at night, the tendon, like, tightens up. Like a rubber band mm-hmm. just gets super tight. So when you step out of bed in the morning and your bare feet, it stretches out that tendon that's, like, all seized up and inflamed, and it just does not feel pleasant. Yeah. It's shockingly painful. Is it on the top of your foot? Bottom. Bottom of your foot. Yeah, it's like right in the uh the arch area mm-hmm. of it. I'm not familiar with this yet. Well give it time. <laughs> it's coming for me. Well with the amount of pickleball that you're putting out there.
1: I would like to think that it's um it's it's delaying the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Or
0: is it exacerbating? Yeah, I was gonna say it could be actually uh rushing the inevitable oh, no. because you're you know you're doing stuff to your feet that Like, they don't work. Like, we're all falling apart. Do you know what I mean? The, 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 you, wherever, somewhere around 20 years old, you're sort of peak. And then from there, things just start breaking, like an old Mazda. Like, it just random things go wrong. You got to fix it, stuff you didn't know. And some stuff you're like, you know what? I'm just going to have to live with that because it's not worth the time and the energy.
1: You know, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I wasn't planning on going down this road, but it reminded me of the, um, there's a podcast that I listened to this past week with Mr. Rogan and uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's the, uh, the, the theoretical physicist, Michio, Kaku. Michio, 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 I can't say it either. Michio, 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 <laughs> He's like world famous, and I I just wouldn't be able to pronounce his name. I don't even know that he knows how to pronounce it, to be honest. But what he was talking about was super interesting. He was talking about how, yes, we all have a life expectancy, and how we all, all are falling apart. But he was saying, as a theoretical physicist who studies DNA, that it's essentially a it's a um, it's a a bunch of DNA failures yep. compounded over time yeah breaking down cells and- our molecular structure through our DNA over 50 60 70 80 90 years it's just compounded DNA failure because it just replicates and replicates and the bad ones replicate mm-hmm. because it's bringing into um, question how that can be overcome through uh through the CRISPR project Mm. MRNA how that they can override the DNA failures to then
0: conquer immortality I I think one of Spider-Man's villains this is how he started like the lizard guy they are talking (laughs) they are
1: actively like today in a um in 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 a laboratory somewhere. Yeah. They are actively studying with quantum computing DNA structures that will allow immortality.
0: Interesting. There's a there's literature that says that cancer has increased in our world not necessarily because there's more cancer but because we are living longer and that because of what Mishukaku is saying, did it, was that close? That's, that's got to like, be closer than what I said. really close, that the the longer you live, the more those cells replicate, and the more those cells replicate, the more chances of cancer there are. Yeah. And so it's not that um, there's specifically, you know, uh, obviously chemicals, whatever, but, but the main thing is we're living longer, and so our cells have more chance to, and the point being that, if, if you live to be 120 years old, you would get cancer, you're guaranteed to get cancer. Like the longer you live, the, you're guaranteed because at some point mm-hmm. your cells have replicated enough. Um, so to unring that bell, I mean, that is the holy grail. Oh,
1: yes, and that's what they are saying that he was explaining that all of these nation states, these massive countries like the U.S., China, mm-hmm. Russia, et cetera, are racing towards... This technology using the, the the whole podcast was around quantum computing. I
0: don't know if you listened to it. It was out oh. last week, I think. Is it terrifying? Because <laughs> because if China beats us to this,
1: yes. Oh, it's terrifying. You
0: know what I mean? Okay, they could create a, a like a warrior race of superhuman. I mean, again, this sounds like Spider Man, but the, now Look, I'm I'm talking out of my butt. So, Miss Yukaku might have dealt with this, but. If if the strand, so the DNA is a, what, three billion letter long word. You know, we talked about that a few weeks ago. You know, which by the way, it, very impressive. Like Francis Collins, it, when he, you know, decoded it, whatever, that was impressive, even though his record on the vaccine is bull crap. But when you think about a th- something that's a three billion letters long, like that's inc- incredible, but very limited, but with quantum computing, very possible. Yeah. Now, am I right that quantum computing is no longer about chips, but atoms? Yes, it is computers. What the heck, man? Computer, the idea
1: of a computer chip not being on a chip, but calcul- doing calculations existing on atoms. It's not, it's not even a, um, uh, this idea that they're just wondering about. It
0: exists. And is the point then that if there's a code, right, we talked about this. There's a code in DNA. Are they talking about hacking into the code of an atom? Or is the atom holding the information? The atom is the vehicle. They're using the atom as the vehicle to hold
1: the data, to to do the computing on, on atoms themselves. And he was explaining the difference between, you know, AI and quantum computing. And it was the most clear depiction of of what's really going on behind the scenes. That really it, it helped. And you actually talked about it a little bit this morning. Uh, you had the opportunity to speak at uh, the Ramsey uh, Devo, mm-hmm. and anyways, you kind of touched on this just about the Chat GPT and in AI, um, these language forms that ha- that are existing. Basically, those are that it's a that's a software problem to overcome. So it's just taking. Data that already exists through websites, through blogs, through databases. It's just combing all of that data and spitting something out that already exists. Hmm. That's a software. What he was explaining is that quantum computing is basically hardware. You have to think of it as that. The hardware okay, that makes sense on atoms themselves. That's what quantum
0: computing that, is. Okay, so that part. Here's why that blows my mind. Um... An atom, at, at the core of what an atom is, is almost all empty space. Antimatter. It, it's at the core of an atom, where the nucleus and the electrons and the protons. Like if you were to blow it up to the size, and I'm going to get this wrong. It's easily googleable <laughs> Google, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Easy for you to <laughs> say. Miss Yukaku be Google goggling. Um, but at the core of it, so you and I right now are actually empty space. Yeah, And so what keeps our hands from going through each other is gravity. Because at the core of our atoms, like I'm sitting on a chair right now that is actually empty space, and, and what it is is if you blow up an, an atom to the size, the, like the nucleus of an atom, and I'm going to say this, I think this is right, to the size of a basketball, that the uh, protons, right, electrons going around it, would be 30 miles away. Wow. Like it's a scale <laughs> that is unimaginable to us. Here to Nashville. And, you know, and I think this is somewhere in the quantum, this might be in the string theory, that uh, electrons, what they can't, like nobody can really explain this other than that they've, they've, they see it, that the electrons are everywhere and nowhere at the same time. It's not like they're just going around it in a circle like uh, orbiting a moon, they are swarming around it and they're everywhere and nowhere at the same time in a space that if it were to blown up to the size of a basketball would be 30 miles. Okay. That's Nashville to hear. That's how much empty space. So I wonder if that's what, so there's so much empty space inside an atom, if they can reduce information to that size that they carry it inside of the the charge of the atom, yes. like the electrons pulled it. Yes, this is fascinating. And he's also the
1: uh, one of the, one of the quote unquote inventors of the string theory. Like this is partly yeah. his work. Yeah. Um. So he talks a lot about it. But his what he was getting at is when the software intersects and lives on the hardware just like a regular computer does now, right? We have hardware, then uh-huh. we install software. So when the, the software of an, an AI language model then is placed upon hardware of quantum computing is when we've got a massive problem. There's no looking back. He thinks
0: it's 100 years out. So that was comforting. <laughs> well, so that, that is comforting because because in some ways you hear something like that And they just assume that we're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then the other side is, we also thought we would have flying cars by now. Man.
1: I was dreaming of flying cars the other day. I got stuck in traffic in downtown Cincinnati. I was on a trip. And I was like, where are the flying cars? Like, why am I stuck here on the road in 2023 staring at another vehicle
0: when I could be flying? Look, in my childhood, we assumed we'd be flying by now. <laughs> right. Like, it wasn't a question. Like, everybody's going to flying cars. The Jetsons proved that. Yeah. So I wonder if this quantum computing, because this sounds like the kind of thing that, you know, would be remarkable in theory and on paper, but creating, you know, putting this stuff inside of an atom, which atoms which decay. Okay. True. True. Um, be like your hard drive crashing but yeah. your, your atoms have decayed. I don't know how they pass information one to another, but it's wild and it's worth the listen. Um Mishukaku.
1: Yeah. The point point being all of this is kind of happening in the background, but it's there is a there is um you know the blurry boys, our blurry podcast friends, uh Luke and Nate talk about this a lot um about the DNA wars that are going on. Mm. Um it's in the amount of study the amount of money the amount of computing that is dedicated towards dna restructuring to achieve immortality in longevity is is fascinating it speaks to the human condition it speaks of the days of noah <laughs> it really does and um there's a, there's a little bit of that kind of in in what you were starting to kind of get into with this story of, of the disciples and Jesus washing their feet, Judas, the betrayal. We all know the story. It's like, you know, we, we've read through the, we've all read through the Bible. We know how this goes. But when you take it verse by verse and chapter by chapter, um, some new things start to maybe pop up or emerge and you start to understand it more deeply. But one of the things that you touched on was um, just this idea of, of evil kind of in all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and you referenced very specifically, though, um, this book, Eichmann in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm.
0: Hannah Arendt. What's the, uh, what's the context for that? Well, the context from it is 1951, give or take, she wrote uh, a, a book about totalitarianism in general. Uh, coming out of World War II, she's Jewish. She was of German descent, but Jewish, and so she writes this uh, book on totalitarianism, um, based you know Stalin, Lenin, Hitler, all the you know all the big ticket items. But fast forward ten years, and Adolf Eichmann, who had escaped to Argentina was arrested and brought to stand trial in Jerusalem. And so she spent six weeks covering that trial uh, for the New Yorker with the idea that it would be a paper, but it later became a book called Eichmann in uh, Jerusalem. And her statement was, this is summing it up, that... (laughs) She's expecting to go into this courtroom and see this monster, you know? Yeah. Like uh, a a villain from an Avengers movie, right? You know, with a a red face and a... Hannibal Lecter type. Yeah, yeah, like some Chianti in your kidneys. Yeah, I mean, you know. Um, (laughs) uh, And she said in the book that what struck her the most was how terrifyingly... Terribly or like ordinary he was. Yeah, a, in her words, a balding, slumping, old man, and that's the guy that was responsible for killing millions and millions of Jews. And so you know, her book "Eichmann in Jerusalem: The Banality of Evil" is the subtitle of it, and banality just simply means ordinary. That evil is just a normal thing, a normal part of the world. Now I will say her, her thesis was that the problem was actually thoughtlessness, that he just followed orders and just didn't, just did whatever he was told. And so it was actually controversial because in in that, and here's why it was controversial. Um, None of us want to think that we would do that. None of us want to think that we would have been the one that owned slaves. None of us want to think that we would be the ones that you know get killed that whatever that we or that or the, we, we wouldn't want to be the ones in germany that were quiet when they you know they were killing jews none of us want to think that could be us and what she was suggesting is that proclivity exists in all of us which back to the computer and quantum computing and these things are not moral. they are created with a code and the morality of the coder is put into the technology so if it's learning it's only going to quote unquote learn what the coders have told it to learn which is what makes it so you know particularly dangerous is that a flawed immoral you know banal evil coder me or whatever is going to try to put my morality into the code and the unforeseen consequences of that are absolutely unimaginable. Well, yeah, it's, it's hum, Humanity is sinful
1: We we have a sinful nature mm-hmm. and there's no escaping it.
0: No. And, and I, you know, I appreciate when I hear, and you hear it on Rogan a lot. You hear it, you know, Bill Maher, whatever. It's separating the good people from the bad people. And, of course, we're always the good people, and they're always the bad people. Uh, it's part of why tribalism is what it is because, you know, the, Hitler didn't, you know, you know, Dr. Evil, you know, uh, Mike Myers, like, that's not how dictators and evil, whatever, they actually think they're doing something right. Like, they are doing it in the name, whether it's Che Guevara... Castro, Hugo Chavez, I mean, they all believed that they were doing something to help their people, and the way that they did it would be with killing and massacring anybody that got in their way and doing what was good. It's wrapped in virtue. It's evil with uh, with a virtuous mask on. And back to Judas, that's, we don't know his utter motivation other than... He was taking money from Jesus. It says that there, you know one place it says he was he was greedy. One place that he talks about he was in, uh, indecisive. Um, but something in him did not allow him to overcome that evil. Because Peter had the same you know the same exact problem, but they had two different results in it. You know they both had the evil streak in them jesus referred to satan both peter and right right you know that would have hurt my feelings get behind me how much would that have hurt my feelings man i'm like come <laughs> on man <laughs> satan get behind me wow um but but you know that was a, a satanic moment for peter like which is you know don't go to the cross because i have a plan and jesus is like no this is the this is the only plan get behind me satan the last thing that Jesus needed was someone trying to talk him out of the plan that God sent him there to do. You know, Judas, on the other hand, didn't understand the plan, and you know, handed him over for thirty pieces of silver. Like it's insane. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned uh, Eichmann es-
1: escaping to Argentina. Do you really think he escaped to Argentina or was? sent to
0: Argentina. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast probably. <laughs> well, to my knowledge, he was not one of the engineers. Okay. One of the coders or whatever. He was a medical guy. Uh-oh. But yeah, there's a, no way to to know now, but it it would make an enormous amount of sense if he was if he was shipped there.
1: Yeah, there's there's that's a that's a fun little um Subtopic: If you have time, is uh, researching all the 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 German um, scientists and medical doctors um, that were a part of um, the Holocaust that ended up in Argentina, quote unquote, accidentally. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other thing. Um, you also talked uh, just a lot about. Peter and Judas, and the differences between the two, and this idea of obviously betrayal, have you ever experienced um, deep betrayal of any sort? like if that has that been something that you've you've felt
0: deeply been betrayed? Yeah, I mean, I haven't we all have, right? I would think so. I mean, I've not been sold up the river to be well to be murdered by the government, like I've not had that like. Sure, but but you have right. <laughs> oh man, you
1: know it's interesting. It's been a kind of a recurring theme in my life. <laughs> and so it's always like, is it me or is it them at this point? Where I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a betrayable guy, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, I don't know. It's it. Uh, especially in my young adult years, uh, I've it happened a lot, um, in pretty massive ways. One, I've talked about it on here before, but um, the the first time that it uh, really hit me where I realized things aren't as they seem is when my uh so I had a high school sweetheart in high school f- all four years. <laughs> four sh- years, wow. Short story uh, long story short. I've talked about this before, but for our new listeners, uh spring of senior year, my best friend eloped with her to Gatlinburg and never saw him again.
0: Did she leave you a note a voicemail. Oh, she hit you with a voicemail? Well, on those days it was called an answering, answering machine. machine. Was it a tape one or a beeping one? <laughs> like a little beep digital one. So is this your home phone? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, so did your mom hear it? No,
1: cuz no. But but um but she heard my reaction. My mom heard my reaction. It was brutal. Cuz that was like a oh. double whammy, right? My best friend and my my all in one, th- in, in one fell swoop, as they say. <laughs> yeah, that'll give you some trust issues. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at 18 years old, or 17, 18 years old, I'm I'm questioning everything. You know, all those people around me. It's given so, me pause for the rest
0: of my life. So, do you think it's because you are a, such a loyal person that it blinds you to? people that are being blatantly disloyal but but because you're so loyal that it doesn't even occur to you that they would not do you, yeah, do you see I any- think that
1: yeah yeah it, for some reason there's a uh, there's a there's a breakdown in my code in my DNA code somewhere <laughs> <laughs> that that helps that has me overlook some things um, the benefit of the doubt right um, is is higher on the chart than maybe it should be now over the years I mean those that know me now current era uh no i can be a bit of a bit cynical yeah and so my my radar is all the way up but that's you know 20 years of life now past yeah. that moment where i've had to learn some things yeah.
0: but that said i've seen you know we've worked together very closely for a while now seen things without saying names not on who listens to this anymore but uh, the I'm looking at something going, this is obviously, a, this is not somebody that's being loyal here to us. And you will defend them. And initially, that's happened a sure. few times. Sure. Sure. Like, I don't think it's that. I don't, You don't think it could be that. And I'm like, Liver.
1: I'm hopeful. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's like, <laughs> in, it's, it's, it's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like the glitch, the one glitch in my code. Cause I am, I am a realist and pessimistic on so many things. Right. Which, but not that. But on that one little element of my life, yeah. those, those people around me, uh, I really do give them the benefit of the doubt because it's my hope that the loyalty that I'm giving is being reciprocated. Uh huh. Right? Yeah, because loyalty is a two-way street. Yeah. And so when that starts to break down, when you see that play out in your life where yeah. it's not reciprocated in relationships, um, that's what cuts the deepest yeah. for for me. For me and probably a lot of other people, yeah. right? Um. And so to be able to, to process that and and to fully give 100% trust to anyone, oh, man, that's hard. Yeah. Now, I mean, over the years. Understandably, yeah. Because that's just one instance. There's been about three others similar of similar impact over the past couple decades. Um, but that's definitely caused me to keep my radar up.
0: Yeah. Now, in the church world... Have you experienced it in in like in the pastor world? The
1: yeah, oh for sure. Um, went through a pretty major church split um, as a young as a young man. How old were you? Um, I guess I would have been fifteen, and just saw the nastiness of like because when you you know when you grow up as a church kid, man, I was a church kid. I've been in church since I was in diapers, man, and remember sitting on my dad's lap as he drove a church bus, picking up kids, bringing them to the church on a Sunday. Like, I was that kid. Like, that was my childhood. And so when you get a little older and you start paying a little more attention and you see how, man, how nasty it can get, like, that just, like, just broke my broke my brain, broke my heart mm-hmm. to see a church split over something that was so dumb. I remember part of the church split was literally about... <laughs> It was, some, it was like design issues in the building. Like they were For changing real? like the carpet and the pews and in the lighting.
0: Caleb's over there wrinkling like someone just farted. But it's like,
1: this. like it was like a whole thing. Like yeah. they had a committee and somebody wanted this color and another person wanted that color and it became this infighting thing. And the next thing you know, it's like oh, the whole thing comes unraveled. So that was my first glimpse into okay fifteen. Okay, so things aren't maybe as as tight-knit as I thought they were, you yeah. know. Um, and then again at 18, and, I mean, there's been multiple other instances. But the fact of the matter is this this feeling of betrayal, thinking through, you know, how how Jesus responded to that and how we are to respond to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the thing that really stood out to me as I was— I don't know. Processing this, thinking they had the best possible "quote unquote" church experience. You know, right? right? The stuff that they were taken in the you know the teaching, the the discipleship, the you know, the front row seat to Jesus. And then at the same time, like the ministry opportunities when Jesus anointed the disciples to go out and cast out demons and pray for the sick he sent judas he was there yeah so he had this incredible perfect quote unquote church experience mm-hmm. but the problem is is that there's people involved and so there's gonna be that it's just the way it is you know i've personally have felt i don't know lucky or I've never actually been in a church split situation before. And Shannon and I, same. We've been in church our entire lives and have not experienced that. Like the like we're fighting and, you know, we're flipping a coin for who gets the building or, you know, who's leaving, who's staying. Um, so we've never experienced that. We've experienced, just like everybody, you know, the... Uh, the, the hurt, the, you know, and I hate, betrayal is a strong word for what I experienced because it, uh, it was more that there was a, you know, there were just there a couple of leaders at this church that they, you know, they were hurt themselves and they were operating from insecurity. And, you know, so when, when you do that, you know, everything is heightened. And so, you know, there's, I, I don't look back at that as a, a, a giant um, betrayal. Now that said, I think my wife would actually have a whole different version of that um, because I'm so pragmatic. Like the last Sunday we were at this church, we we, we helped start this church. And, you know, and I did everything because I'd been around there long enough. Whenever someone left, I would hear the, well, he did it on a Monday and I, I'm always tired on Monday. Or he, they did it on a Friday and that's like that's sermon day or Wednesday is a you know, Wednesday night. So ser- like, so the only day really that I could find that he never complained about someone leaving the church was Thursday. So I set it up for Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. I tried to do everything I knew to do uh, to extricate ourselves and you know, kindly, and the plan was to sort of, you know, just sort of disappear out the back. And I don't know, the church was probably three or four hundred at that point. And and uh, the last Sunday that we were supposed to be there, he—I don't remember if he te- probably texted that morning and asked us not to to go. Um, and that just devastated Shannon. It was yeah. really sad for her um, I'm so pragmatic going, well, this is a whole lot easier for us. (laughs) That was easy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, this takes care of that. There's all the awkward stuff, you know, but you know what, I think what was sad for her was that, you know, it was, it was, it was a church situation where, that's why you'll hear me say all, you know, often, Hey, when someone leaves the church and you see them at Walmart, don't be weird. It's not weird. It happens all the time. But, you know, she and I both knew that, the way that the, the leadership was, was that they made it weird. And so it made it weird. If you saw people from the church that saw you there, they'd go, they'd look the other way or it was just super awkward and it didn't need to be awkward. And, you know, so we knew, cause I actually remember telling her that like, we're not going to be the first ones to leave here where there's not a Wednesday night, you know, sermon about us. That's not really about us, but it's about us. They never say our name, but, oh, yeah. but you knew who it was. Oh, you yeah. Know? Uh, we're not going to be the first ones that he's not going to, uh, because when I say his hurt, his hurt was, if someone left, he was real quick to say, "Well, I'd be, that guy was beating his wife, or this guy had them." You know, dismiss <laughs> it. Just, yeah, they, there was some problem. And actually, that's a true story, by the way. There was one of the people he talked about that was beating his wife. I'm like, I don't want to know that, but, but in his mind, that was easier that they left because there was something wrong with them. Because yeah. otherwise, it, in his mind, it meant there was something wrong with him. So, so you know, his. Be- trail or hurt whatever came out of his own hurt and hurt people, hurt people. So, you know, I was pretty pragmatic about it. Shannon, it's taken a long time for her. You know, we process differently. She is a, I'm a head with a human body walking around, you know, <laughs> attached to it. And she is a heart with a body walking yeah. around. She's just all feelings. And that just punched her right in the, in the feelings, you know. I, I'm, now I'm thinking about this. I'm
1: reminded of probably the the biggest church hurt that my family experienced was, when I was, I guess I would have been like five years old. My mom was actually the church secretary at a pretty large uh, independent Baptist church in Ohio.
0: She answered the phone.
1: Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> so, she did. She used to do the help create the bulletin and all that. Oh, back man. in the day, like back in the eighties. And uh, what software would she be? The there was no software. It was like Are you kidding a me? Dot matrix printer? Like no, which? you would print. You would. You would actually. <laughs> You would have to print stuff and like cut it out, and then like glue it onto a piece of paper in in the order that you wanted it, <laughs> and then go to a print like shop cl- like clip like art. art. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're like you're
1: designing the original
0: cut and paste. You were your mom was the design for a church just like you, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I never connected that dot. That's, that's funny. You're like you use modern clip art. That's all you. Know. But uh,
1: the long story short, though, when there was this, there was a a week where the The feds showed up to the church office. Like the FBI. (laughs) Correct. And long story short, the pastor at that time had been embezzling millions of dollars. He got extradited back to Texas where he was from because he had been doing it at a church here and there. And went to prison for the rest of his life and died in prison. And... So that's that story in of itself put, uh, you know, caused quite the
0: hurt for my for my folks. To n- I would have bet it did, because <laughs> n- it would have been right under her nose. Yeah.
1: Oh, it was brutal.
0: Brutal. Was he, what was he doing? Taking cash out of the envelopes? What was he doing?
1: Yeah, I, I I literally don't know. I was I was too young to to know the details of it. But it over it was over like seven or eight years was millions of dollars.
0: Did he have like a nice car? Did anybody? Like- oh
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, he looked apart, man. It was like had the suits and the car and the
0: see the hair here's the thing, man we like all we, the stereotypes we charismatics we got on the news all the time for that kind of stuff, but <laughs> what I've come to learn later is that the Baptists were all doing it. They just didn't get on the news they were right. they were smart enough not to buy a jet, at least, I guess, so they never got on the news for it, but
1: but that was like a shock wave, yeah, that would within our our household, yeah. Um, and I, I would, I would think that they still have a lot of feelings around that.
0: I would think so. Yeah. Especially because she was working with him every day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Millions of dollars. Crazy. And, you know, and those,
1: those kinds of stories aren't, you know, those aren't isolated stories. I mean, unfortunately that's, that's happened a lot, uh, over the years and the abuse of power, you know, and. Um, those types of things and those situations, no accountability. Yeah, we hear that over and over and over again. Um, which is why I'm yeah. thankful for. Um, I'm thankful for how we have our our church set up, with our team, and our our board. Um, just so much transparency that allows for us to not get sideways like that. A one man show. It really has brought
0: a lot of freedom to us. For, well, to me, right? I can say that that a I'm not the one trying to carry the weight of these decisions and and B you know there's there is accountability for you know I'm, I remember when we very first started like that was back when cash was still like there was still cash in the offerings and we set up a little system where I think it was three people you probably remember this yeah who didn't know each other or related to each other who were counting it and then they had to sign off on it just we just tried to do everything we could to make sure that there was accountability in it and and look i, I know that we have i'm put it in my words i have hurt people as well some of it uh, not fair. Some of it was we, we had to make a decision. It was the right decision. And, you know, the problem with it is that sometimes the right decision for the organization is there's an individual that is, you know, that's not, they're not going to experience it that way. And so, you know, no amount of explaining, whatever. So, you know, I am a church hurt story there, but there are other stories where, I, you know what, I'm just I'm kind of an idiot. You know, I, I'm, I can isolate. I'm not that responsive when I need to be. And so there are other times where I've heard people genuinely hurt them like, like that, you know. And, and I don't you know, enjoy it. I try to make it right when I can. You know, there are a, a couple of folks out there that, um, you know, I have actually tried to reach out to, you know, a few times over the years and have just been unable to reach them. And I, and I will continue, you know, as much as possible. You know, that's what the Roman says. As much as possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with each other. So, you know, as much as it's possible for us. And, And I guess that what I really wanted to bring home from John is that we are all going to experience hurting somebody and being hurt by somebody. Yeah. It's just the way it is. And the alternative is to live in isolation and alone and not trusting anybody and that is a terrible way to live it's not it's not only not godly it's just not healthy so this is it this is the genesis 3 world you're going to either live alone and cynical and you know uh, and lonely and sad or you're going to take risks and you're going to get hurt sometimes and you're going to hurt other people, but that's the, the payoff the the risk for the reward is, is just infinitely better.
1: Well, yeah, because my, my little high school sweetheart that betrayed me with my best friend, (laughs) I had the opportunity to make a decision, right? Like I could just wallow in that for the rest of my life and, you know, be some lonely old man on the corner, Mm -hmm. get off my lawn guy, which I actually kind of still am, but, um, (laughs) 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 a little bit. Um, but it also forced me to, to, you know, make new relationships and meet new people. And that's how I met my wife. Yep. We've been together twenty five years and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, I can't even describe how amazing my wife is. And I mean, that would have never happened if the, the, the first thing had never happened. Right. So um so yeah, it's, it's 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 you can't you can't live as a victim. You've got to overcome, you have to process and, and work it out with those around you and push through and do the work. Um, But you can't stay there. you got to push towards victory and live as a victor um, with the strength that that we can only get with
0: the Holy Spirit in Mm -hmm. our lives to lead us and guide us. Yeah. And, you know, dealing with life on life's terms until the, you know, until heaven, until the other side. Again, if Jesus's small group didn't have controversy in it, you know, (laughs) then how could we expect that ours (laughs) wouldn't, you know? (laughs) and you're right. His little small group got got a little sideways, didn't it? Uh-huh. And then it continued, right? I mean, you look at the book of Acts and, you know, golly, they were, you know, Peter and Paul are fighting each other. Paul and Barnabas are fighting each other. Like, it's just, life is messy. Life is because it's full of humans who are messy people. And, you know, back to Hannah Arendt, it's from a Jewish perspective, but it's a very biblical Romans 1 idea that inside of us is the line of good and evil and we have the proclivity towards that and you know i need the same grace that uh you need you know we all need it together and it's you know what i love is to watch how jesus responded which was you know he started with washing their feet yeah pretty awesome you know um and I, I don't think that's necessarily the uh, edict that we now are supposed to wash each, literally wash each other's feet. Stay away from my feet, FYI. Just don't touch them. <laughs> <laughs> but the Jesus washed our feet, right? Because that means, you know, he did it for me, he did it for Judas, he did it for all of us. And so we can love each other with the love that Christ loved us with because he washed my dirty feet surely I can give some patience for Judas's dirty feet.
1: What do you think it felt like to be the 13th disciple? The Judas replacement. Matthias. Was that his name? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. He was never heard of again. Right. They cast lots. I don't think he was supposed to be. Yeah. I think Paul was supposed to be. Ooh. Ooh. I've never heard this take. Yeah, not surprising. Uh, yeah, when you read that, and I'm pulling from my memory banks here, but they cast lots. There was no, thus saith the Lord, go choose uh, Judas' replacement. They just did what, well, this is probably what we need to do. And then they cast lots for it. And, right. Yeah. Right. Matthias, and the uh, first and last time he's mentioned in the book of Acts or anywhere else in the Bible. That is so interesting. Right.
1: It's interesting. There's so much of it that is interesting. Including, they cast lots; like they rolled the dice; like yeah,
0: just pick a pick a number between yeah. one and ten. All right, yeah, we're drawing straws for the next <laughs> disciple. Yeah, it's a fascinating thought that it, can I, I, that's conjecture on my part. There's nothing in the text that says it, but there's so much in the text that it doesn't say that it leads me to believe that he I mean, just wasn't. That was their own plan. That was them helping God. Interesting, you know, because Jesus clearly had a plan with a guy named Saul of Tarsus, which would not have, I mean, there was no lot even cast for him. I mean, he wasn't even an option when they did that, you know, he's busy killing Christians. But you know, oftentimes in our walk with Jesus, we rush ahead of him. We see, we see the need. And so we decide we're going to fix it and help God and uh, rarely, well, no, he, he tolerates our nonsense but he has a better plan than the one that I do. And clearly Paul was a great plan. And I do think that he is, was supposed to be and is the 12th. Oh, wow. Hot take.
1: On Sunday, we also had our good friend, Matt Hammett, um, sing a song that he wrote that was released this week, um, called church hurt. And, uh, Matt is part of our our church fellowship and the former and founder Former lead singer and founder of the band Sanctus Real. Do you know where Sanctus Real started? Like what city they're from?
0: Columbus. Toledo, Ohio. Wait, they were from Toledo? Yes, sir. You don't remember this? No, I thought, I don't know why I thought Columbus.
1: Another Ohioan has entered the chat here at Conduit. Which, Toledo
0: is like the poor man's Detroit.
1: (laughs) I mean, that is a perfect Description of Toledo, you know, which I don't know what that makes Dayton, but less than that. <laughs> so we, we, we grew up and uh, like two hours from each other. And I remember Sanctus Real when they were playing like uh, some summer festivals with my band back in the day. You playing in the band? No, not in his band. I had a band. Yeah, he had a but band. But your
0: band was playing. And we were playing festivals with each other. Were they called Sanctus Real then? They were. Do we know what that name means?
1: Um, yes, it's Latin. Um, oh goodness, I'll have to pull it up. I used to know this off the top of my head, but I don't remember
0: anymore. Latin for a Toledo band?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, they got they got real. Uh, they must
0: have been going through the like the dictionary looking for names. <laughs> but I've known I've known Sanctus
1: and and uh, that band and, and Matt for a long time, and to to have us both here in Nashville now is pretty cool. Here at Conduit is is even better. Um, but, yeah, he just released this, this song called Church Hurt, um, doing his, his solo work. And it's fantastic. It's really good. And he just released a, um, a devotional, kind of along with it, a seven-day devotional that was co-written with our missions pastor, Mr. Eric Newberry. And if you go to Matt, matthamet.com, M-A-T-T-H-A-M-I, T, T. You can get that devotional and kind of read through it and listen to the song and watch the lyric video and kind of get familiar with it. But I know it ministered to a lot of people on Sunday. There was a really good feedback on that, which was really cool because his daughter also sang with him. She's great. Emmy, um, who's in high school now, and um, it was just a really, really cool moment. But it's it's a really good thing I think Matt is doing is just kind of addressing some of that and just... Um, allowing an an avenue for folks to um, to relate a song they can kind of maybe resonate to if they've experienced that in their life.
0: Yeah, I was, um, when they showed it to me, first of all, it's actually a really good song. It's helpful when the message is great, but the song is actually great as well. I think you co-wrote that
1: with Sam, Heart. Um,
0: that would another, make sense. Another conduit. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. But, you know, listening to it, you know, I, it seemed, I don't know, it made sense to, uh, you know, do it in a Sunday morning service. Someone in staff meeting, I think it was Kim said that, you know, churches aren't talking about it. Everybody else is, but you know, churches aren't. And it, it kind of, you know, reminded me that, A, that in the past we have referenced it, like when people, coming along saying, hey, look, if, you're, if you've been hurt in your last place, you can rest here. You, there's no hurry to get in, you know, into the service thing. You, you can take your time um, because, you know, there's, sometimes people need that and you just sit in the back row for a little bit and heal. Uh, but it didn't strike me. I don't know. It didn't feel like it was that um, bold of a move for us to do it because, you know, if goes back to that saying, right? A pastor's job is to answer a bunch of questions nobody's asking. <laughs> and, you know, if what we don't talk about, we say a lot by what we don't talk about. That's true. And, you know, in a room full of people, allowing them some time to process, but also a chance to say, hey, you know, we're all kind of in this together. Like there's all, because I think that's the, maybe the thing that is uh, when, when you process it from the way of of, of hurt from a church situation your situation seems so big because you seem so alone with it or the other side is it seems so common so all churches must be you know hell on earth and the answer is neither is really true the answer is we're just a bunch of imperfect humans i think it was rich mullins that his line that you know the church is full of hypocrites and he's like no no it's not true there's always room for one more you know <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we're so good right <laughs> we're all hypocrites like that's the thing it's not there isn't you're good and i'm bad we're all you know on this level playing field in front of the cross. And it means, you know, sometimes there's boundaries in place. And if you've got somebody that is, that continues to hurt you and continues, you know, I'm not saying that you stick around. That's not at all it, but you can't walk away from that and carry the hurt with you for the rest of your life and build your identity around it. Because It's just a miserable, sad and cynical way to live. And it's not good for you. It's not good for your family. It's not good for your, your marriage, you know, giving it to Jesus you know, I'm happy that what happened with Shannon and I happened before the, uh, the blog movement and the church too and all that because I think we would have been tempted to, you know, blog about it and bash and bad mouth and it's not healthy for the church. It's not healthy for the people that are experiencing it and especially for the people that are living in it, you know, camping out in it. That's really good, man. We've we've covered a lot of territory today. You I think squandered another hour. <laughs> I
1: think one of the uh, this is a kind of a, it's a quick funny story we'll end on. In growing up in Ohio, we didn't have Chick Fil A until, man, probably like early two thousands. So I I mean I grew up without the idea of of a Chick Fil A, but you were surrounded by White Castle though. <laughs> yes, nasty. Yes, we did not frequent the the White Castle. But so when we moved to Tennessee, we were noticing all the Chick-fil-A's, which was very encouraging. But man, did I feel a deep sense of betrayal when I learned that they were closed on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing until I moved here and, and you know, I try to go to a Chick-fil-A on a Sunday and they're closed. Deep betrayal. Very deep. Which turned into respect. I respect it now, and it's I appreciate it. But it still hurts a little bit. It does, because the options are so slim on a Sunday when you're trying to get some, just a quick bite. That's just because you've never been to a Popeye's. Well, they there isn't any around here. I know. You got to, look. The one in Spring Hill closed, by the way. So I don't <gasps> know how good it is just here's the thing there's too many white people that is true that's the thing i actually know the manager of that store uh he was my next door neighbor um back in spring hill roosevelt amazing man um incredible black man just his family's awesome believer love him to death and he was telling me the same thing
0: he's like brother there's not enough of us here it's true bro <laughs> and here's the thing oh this he, is, he was so candid about it i loved right? it right And I know I'm not allowed to say this now or whatever, so cancel me. I don't care. But man, black people know what they're doing. Okay, when it comes to shoes, Mm. kitchen comes to cars, and then when it comes to chicken, they know what they're doing. Like Popeyes is killer. Man, I feel like I missed it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to go. You know, you got to go to a part of town that you don't. I wouldn't. They don't. You know, they're not normally here. I'm not normally there. But, but man, worth the drive. You see a Popeyes. On a on a interstate, uh, make it happen. You got to make it happen. Now you're, you know, you'll be a, you got to keep your head on a swivel when you're getting gas because it's, it's a
1: little spicy. Like the the chicken's uh, actually spicy. Yeah, that's what you
0: like. Yeah, but but it's not. It doesn't hurt you. Like my son, well, actually, your boys, man. When when they helped me move, I uh, ordered them a bucket of chicken. And I mean. Those boys ate the bucket. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I don't know how many. I don't know how many pieces come in a bucket. It feels like there's at least a chicken, if not two chickens, in there. Right. And there was nothing but bones when they got done with that. At they the just, time, the two teenage boys devoured it, hammered it. Yeah, and I they were like, "My it. gosh, this is so good. Yeah, this is I amazing." So yeah.
1: Well, John chapter 13, this, the this idea, this story of of betrayal and, and, and love really that Jesus showed um, so much there if you missed the teaching go back and listen to it if you get a chance just scroll back here in this podcast listen to the teaching from Sunday um, and then also if you if you do want to learn more about this this song that we just referenced the 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 devotional that's been released matthammett.com m a t t h a m m i t t MattHammett.com. Um, search there for the download for the song, and just to encourage our brother Matt for for the work that he's done around that, and and Eric Newberry to help kind of write that that piece as well. It's really really cool. Any and all information you could possibly want to know about our church, ConduitChurch.com.